When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We got Megan. We got Rudo. We're coming to you live on a Monday during the Avs All-Star break. At least almost everyone's All-Star break. There's one game today. So not a whole lot going on in the hockey world, but still a bunch of interesting stuff to talk about, especially when it comes to the Colorado Avalanche, the conversation around Zach Parise, and just how involved, I think, not just necessarily the Avs front office, but the entire Avalanche organization down to the players was in this decision for the Avs to sign Parise in the first place. Megan, I know you talked to everybody about this. How? What is the vibe coming from the Avalanche when it comes to Parise? It feels like reinforcement was needed and so there's a wave of relief that's washed over the team like their needs have been answered because it's not just the players that were banging this drum Jared Bednar in the clip we'll play in a little bit gives kind of an overview of his view of the team as they look right now and the biggest glaring hole in the lineup now he points to kind of at the start of the year forward has been forward depth and he credited the players that have stepped up but In that, I think that there have been players that haven't had their strengths played to. And I think players like Cagliano, who we'll hear from too, have been affected by that. We haven't really seen a real fourth line yet this season. And some of it's been due to personnel and health availability. But that being said, the leadership was crying out for this. Jared Bednar was crying out for this. And it ended up being a perfect fit. I think something we can talk about too after we hear from Bednar and Cogliano anticipating this need being filled is how much his former teammates, Zach Parise's, mm-hmm. wanted him back with the Islanders. Yep. I think that's something that is worth mentioning why this type of player, though at 39 years old, has raised some eyebrows, is so coveted for a team that's looking at deep playoff ambitions. Yep. The Isles, one of the other last teams that were supposedly in on Parise's free agency. So the Avs are the ones that managed to get the job done. And there's a lot of interesting sides of this. It's not like Parise was signing for a big contract or anything like that. Uh, I think realistically the Avs potentially giving him the best opportunity to win is, is most likely what led to that decision. But uh, we could get into all of that in a little bit. Let's hear from uh, Jared Bednar first and what the Avs themselves had to say about the Parise deal. Go ahead. Good way to end this kind of stretch here and go into the break. Yeah, yeah. Pretty happy with the way our guys played again tonight from the goaltender out uh, against a really good team. And, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to win a couple games 
and be playing some solid hockey going into the break so guys feel good about it now then get away from the game for a little bit do a little bit of conditioning and hopefully pick up where we left off after the uh, the Nate Miko show the other night is it nice to get some contributions from a lot of other guys yeah and we've been getting that just because Nate and Miko and those guys have been tearing it up doesn't mean we haven't been getting some some decent contributions from the rest of our lineup here recently, you know, and that's why we're able to put up a handful of goals a night instead of one or two. It's not just those guys contributing, but they're obviously driving the bus. But we've we've been getting some nice play out of a lot of other guys on the team. What is your assessment of Zach Parisi in this point of his career, and just where do you see him fitting on this roster? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a highly dedicated player. Uh, when it comes to his habits, they're elite, a lot like Cogliano in that. You know, an older guy that's been around, great leadership. I think you take um, his reliability. He's played 82 games the last couple of years. Um, it's because he takes care of himself off the ice and has those types of habits that we really like. Um, and he chips in offensively. He does a great job and is a trusted guy on the defensive side. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll get him in here, see what he looks like with our group, and we'll make a decision. What are you looking at for the team during the, the break after a couple days off? Like, What are you evaluating and looking at to see what can get better for the rest of the season? Oh, for the rest of the season? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So coming out of the break, I expect us to be able to pick up right where we left off. There's going to be a little bit of rust, but the beauty of it is, like I talked about the other day, is every team's in the same boat, right? Like everyone's gonna come off this break. So the team that can get their habits back and their competitiveness back and the, the attention to detail back the quickest is gonna have success out of the gate. Um, the second half of the year for me now, we've seen enough games, we're gonna get in this stretch run. It's about refining um, our game and making sure that the standard gets pushed. Like we've had a lot of growing, every team does, first half of the year. Um, and so we'll, we'll challenge our guys to get better in all areas with the puck, without it, offensively, defensively, and start nitpicking a little bit, you know? I've already told their guys that. I actually told them that just the other day. You know, like we're getting, when we come back off this break, just be prepared for it. I remember, uh, like, you know, we had the, the three straight second round losses. And then the next year, we you, you're coaching a lot in the first half of the year, then you try to let them play a little bit. And then we started really sort of nitpicking at things. In our, we had a meeting with our leadership group, and we started showing a lot more of our video, um, even on game days, instead of the as much of the opposition. And and doing during our game reviews of like, like things that are good but not good enough. You know, like right now we're showing mistakes and things that we got to clean up, but like we'll start really nitpicking at stuff and, and, and I'll tell them, you know, it's, it, it could be nitpicking, but when it comes down to the most important time of the year, we're going to have to be better than that, you know, and, and just keep raising the bar a little bit. And as long as we have our leaders buy in and our teams buy in, they'll understand why as we kind of move on. And, um, but I think it's really important because the finer details of your game, not that we don't talk about them now, but I think like on a daily or in, in the game reviews on a daily basis, we'll really start digging into that. What is the uh, plan right now for Parisi in terms of when he's going to get to Denver, skate with the team? Do you have a potential target for his debut? 
Yeah, he'll he'll come in with the rest of our players. He's gonna actually gonna come in. I th I'm pretty sure that he's gonna be in Thursday, Friday. We have some guys that are gonna skate Friday, Saturday on their own. We can't force them to do any of that. Um, and Sunday morning we practice and leave. So he'll be here, and wouldn't be surprised to see him on the ice either Friday or Saturday, but definitely Sunday morning before we go. Yeah. Did you have an inkling that someone like Parise would be in addition to this group specifically after Tomas Tatar was traded? Was that an area of the roster you pinpointed? There was a hole and a need for forward depth and Well, we, yeah, that is that is the need, right? Like I'm liking the way our our 8D are playing. We've got great contributions from Malinsky. Yeah. Adds a strength to our team that some you know some of our other guys don't have. We still have Jonesy who's not playing a lot, but he's played really well when he's been in the lineup. Goaltending is, is starting to really shape up and has come around. We like we like where we're at in some of those spots. The forward depth and adding some you know, like when Val's gone for a while, we don't know. Like It just seems like we're always missing a piece or two, so adding some depth up front I think is important. I think that's been identified early on in the season. Um, the guys that we have are doing everything they can and playing really well, but uh, to be able to add a versatile guy like Parise will really help that sort of our lineup keep slotting into the right spots and put our guys in the best positions to have success. Yeah, I think as we go here every day, um, every game, every segment, we, it seems like we're believing more and more. Um, you know, sometimes you know, building a, a team and having a team that's there at the end is, takes a long time. It takes the whole season. It takes a process to do that. Um, I feel like we're getting there. We're not there yet. You know, I think we're we're still finding our way in certain parts of the game. But with how our top guys are playing, with how our, our role guys have accepted their roles and you know focused on doing the right things and how we're coached and um, our goaltending. Um, no, I think if we keep progressing and keep doing what we're doing. You know, we add players, and get players back at some point. Um, you, know, you feel really good about yourself going in the playoffs. So a lot of talk about nitpicking their own game and, and paying attention to the details, things like that. Is Parise the type of player to actually help with that? I understand he's a veteran. He's been around the league a lot, but, you know, Phil Kessel's also a veteran that's been around the league a lot, could have potentially been an option out there that probably doesn't help in the same way Parise does. Yeah, it's what, you know, Jack Johnson said after the game before the break that, you can't ever have enough Zach Parise's, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's what is unique to Parise and his commitment away from the ice. You know, Jared Bednar talks how it's similar to Cogliano in that sense. At 39 years old, to be able to play in the NHL, you have to be at the top of your fitness regimen at yeah. that point and take great care of yourself. You know, coming on the heels of a, a 21-goal season, he also – elevated from what he was doing in his time in Minnesota to what True. New York was using him for. He was not only getting significantly more power play minutes, which I see him in a second unit opportunity for Colorado. Yeah, I think so. But he also was one of the first guys on the PK unit in New York, whereas he was more of a secondary guy in Minnesota. And so that replenishes help on special teams in both ways, but especially not knowing what is going to happen with Val Nichushkin moving forward, how available he'll be if and when kind of a thing. Those are two areas that they'll need that help. And you look at the bigger picture, 111 playoff games. 
that is why Colorado <laughs> takes interest in a player like him. Yep. And I, I love the comment from Cogliano about there are things, a process to getting to the later parts of the season, right? Like to yep. be there at the very end, there's a few things that have to take place first. And it's adding players like Parise. It's why Matt Barzell was kind of lamenting that New York couldn't have brought him back in. There's a reason that type of player is sought after for teams who have playoff ambitions. Yep. I think it's interesting that New York believed he would have been there had they won a few more games. And it now really drums up the storyline of a player with one last chance at a cup coming to a team <laughs> with really good odds of doing it. And knowing that leadership like McKinnon and Landeskog essentially scouted this player, yep. that's exactly the kind of thing they look for. Not only how he can impact this team in a positive way on the ice, but culturally. Sure. And I know we'll have a later conversation about the Edmonton Oilers, but yep. this is where I think the Colorado Avalanche separate themselves from other teams that have high skill upside and have had regular season success is the cultural fit of players like Parise in that room are what allows teams to exist late in the playoffs. As opposed to going out and getting a Corey Perry instead. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I guess it's, you know, between Evander Kane then and Corey yeah, Perry, it's yeah. like you're sacrificing some of your culture. Obviously there's so much skill and talent and the success is coming for them, but at what cost? Yep. It's a fair point. When it comes to someone like Parise, uh, the Avs have a very well put together core when it comes to their locker room dynamics, things like that. As a veteran coming in, is, do you expect it to be easy for him to slot in? Is this a, hey, he's a guy about winning, we're about winning, this is easy? Or do you think there's going to be some level of adjustment there? I think we saw it with players like Ross Colton who have championship pedigree. Sure there's still a little bit of adjustment just because of what Colorado is. I don't know that many players outside of the organization coming in have experienced anything quite like it. The Nathan McKinnon the experience. The Nathan McKinnon experience, <laughs> exactly. And I think there's lots of positives to the Nathan McKinnon experience. For sure. um, it's got to be fun being Zach Parise looking in on this team at what Nathan McKinnon's doing right now. No kidding. I'd be so excited to be coming to Colorado. And I think that it's going to come with some challenges too. And not having played an NHL game. I don't doubt that he has done other things. Like, I remember when we talked about Galchenyuk, he genuinely was playing beer league in Arizona yep. when he was rehabbing. So I don't doubt that Zach Parise has done something that simulates game action. It just won't about, come close to NHL yeah, pace. 60% the speed. Maybe. No matter <laughs> what he was doing. And so... Only getting in games with the Avs will really help him to get acclimated. I think there's a learning curve, especially because I think his role is genuinely going to start him out as a depth piece. And yep. because of where he's at in his career, it is just my guess that that won't be an issue, but it will take some time for him to adjust to that role and fully embrace it. It's that buy-in that we've heard Jared Bednar talk about all year. I don't doubt that he's the kind of guy that can readily buy in, but I think it will take a little bit of time to adjust that. Certainly the first guy that uh, hits him hard into the boards might be a little bit of a, oh, right, this is the NHL. I That's remember. what that feels <laughs> <Yeah>. like. <laughs> I'm 39. <laughs> Doesn't feel like it did when I was 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But I do think it will be interesting. Ultimately, someone like Parise, you mentioned his play on the penalty kill. Is his focus more depth scoring or just generally rounding out the Avs forward depth? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that Tomas Tatar let down the Avs specifically in the goal scoring production department. Only because of what he had teased, not only throughout his career, but especially the year before. I think, obviously, he has gone on to tap back into that side of his game in Seattle. So they're just sort of looking to restart, I think, with Parise in that expectation because he was still producing, you know, in New York on the heels of a 21-goal season. And a lot of it was net front. And so I think that specifically the the production doesn't need to be 21 goal season pace, (laughs) especially since we're already past the back half of the year. But I think that any player that's willing to drive to the net um, is going to help make up for the loss of Nachushkin right now and Landeskog for the foreseeable future. Good point. Um, But to your point, I think it's more so to round out the bottom of the lineup. I think that the minutes we've seen on what is sort of a fourth line have been six five minutes or under it's not enough yeah. it's not enough it doesn't because even though nath mckinnon is so spectacular right now it sets him up for better success if the line that's going out before him can establish ozone possession mm-hmm. and they have a better chance at creating quality chances then but be- if they're only being trusted with five minutes a night they're not really helping prepare the ice for the players coming on and that's where I think Parise can have an impact is he'll be trusted with something more like 10, 12 minutes a night. And that fourth line starts to act as a fourth line again. It it gives the abs a, the opportunity to do similar things to what they did the other night. And I know Parise wasn't on the team yet, but the abs got a lead. They held on to a lead. McKinnon only had to play 19 minutes heading into the break, which I'm sure if you ask McKinnon, he wants to play 27 or whatever <laughs> absurd number it is. But No hockey player can do that every single night. It's just not realistic. And there have been far too many times this season where even when the Avs get a lead, Bednar has not trusted his depth to play significant amounts of time. So you just can't burn your guys out. And this all-star break is a great rest, relax, get fresh again, stretch. But then you get into the second half of the season and you're going to need to manage things a little bit as you head towards the playoffs. And this might be a stretch, but I think that because the Avs had an inkling that Parise was coming, I think there was a little burst of optimism that we saw in that final game before the break. Yeah. Now, they're also just playing really well right now, so they I don't are. want to take away from that. But I think knowing that reinforcements were on the way and you're getting a player like Parise was something that they got a little excited around. I. It certainly seems like it, given how many how many people seem to be involved with getting them here. So. Yeah, everyone has said, one, we have this need, which I think is a separate concern that yeah. everyone and their mother pinpointed this as a need. Yep. But the front office responded and brought on a player that everybody seems to be really happy about having. Yep. It, it certainly is all positive to this point. Of course, he still has to get here. He still yeah. has to play well, yeah. all of that. it's a lot to be seen. But uh, from from the vibes perspective, it's feeling good, as are the vibes at Illegal Pete's. Do you think Parise eats Illegal Pete's to, to stay in shape at 39? I don't know about that one. That might be a little <laughs> bit of a stretch. Maybe the bulls. There you go. The, the healthy option from Illegal Pete's if you go with the bull. Maybe stay away from the queso if you're trying to be in great shape. But if you're looking for delicious food... 
the queso is the way to go. Uh, Illegal Pete's fresh ingredients every single day. They even have happy hour from 3 to 8 p.m. I know Parise ain't going to that, but I am. So go check that out. Uh, get yourself some delicious burritos. A uh, bunch of different locations here in Denver. I believe there's 12 now, including one right next to the DNVR bar where you can pregame and uh, then come hang out with us for the games. It's always a good time, especially with that road trip coming up after the All-Star break. Uh, go get yourself some Illegal Pete's today. And then we're also brought to you by Bet365, which you can go over to, sign up with a DNVR365 code, get signed up, put $10 in there, bet $5 on an NHL game, get $150 in bonus bets, put $10 in there, take a screenshot of it, send it to promo at thednvr.com. We'll get you a free DNVR shirt. Little coupon code for whatever you want. You can pick an Avs one. If you want to be like the cool kids, get the Logan O'Connor Loch Ness Monster shirt. You want to be like the less cool kids, you can get a Nuggets or a Broncos shirt. Uh, we just got the new Todd Helton in the Hall of Fame shirt. If you're looking for a Rockies one, all sorts of cool stuff uh, with us and Bet365. So get over there, download the app today, use that DNVR365 code to get the bonuses. Uh, and yeah, we'd have some fun winning some money, hopefully. By the way, take McKinnon for heart still. He's going to win it. It's going to happen. I'm willing it into existence at this point. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I wanted to touch on Parise just a little bit more here. Um, when you look at the Avs lineup, and, and you mentioned what happens with Val, we'll see as we go. But realistically, is Parise's role middle six or bottom six when it comes to depth? It's a hard question to answer because of what the... Colton O'Connor Woodline is. Of course. Right now they're acting as a second line. So I could say that Parise would be middle six if he's on that third line. But yep. when the replenishments start to come, like hopefully Valnatushkin is back, yep. then Arturi Lekinen, once he's a few more games under his belt, yep. gets elevated back to the top six. Yep. If that third line becomes the Wood Colton O'Connor line, then we are talking bottom six for Parise. Just kind of the reality of that situation. Yeah. And that's an ideal situation. And that's where I think his versatility as a player and understanding that his role will fluctuate will really support him mm -hmm. in that setting because I think it will change. I will think I think he'll be on third line at times, fourth line at times, depending on availability. I could see him being elevated to the second line. I'm not going to pencil him in there right away i think that's as needed but not where he's being targeted to slot in more permanently bednar i think particularly has shown a penchant to flex people into jonathan druin's role especially on a night if druin maybe isn't having a good night parise could be another potential option to to fill a spot like that depending on of course a million factors but right uh the other side of this Put 2C aside. The Avs still need a 2C. Yeah, okay, whatever. With Parise, if you're the Colorado Avalanche, are you still looking for a 4C as well? Is there still more depth forwards that you need, or is it really just that 2C? It really is the 2C. Okay. I still think there are concerns for like the fourth-line center position, sure. but they're also going to be a little hampered by other possible needs, which is mm -hmm. support for Georgiev mm -hmm. in that. And so if I'm prioritizing these things, I think that I would have 1A, 1B as 2C in goaltending because they've added another forward. 
that is lower on the priority list. Um, and I think it'll just depend on the affordability of it all, what kind of cap situation sure. they're dealing with then. And in that case, then I, I'm not seeing that being realistic, that they can also target another forward for their forward depth. Fair um, enough. I think they've sort of married themselves to, to Prize being the that support guy. that the yeah. bottom six is going to get. <sighs> All right. I got the question that always divides people. How much does the veteran sauce actually matter when it comes to Parise? This is so important. You know, there's a reason I make mention of how much Matt Barzell wanted him back in New mm -hmm. York. And a reason I make mention of the similarities to Cogliano. Looking at recent years, what do future Drew Hellison for current Josh Manson and kind of future Andreas Englund for current Jack Johnson have in common? Uh, you traded a guy with minimal experience for a ton of experience? For a ton of experience. Those 111 <laughs> playoff games for Zach Parise matter because this isn't even really a regular season move. They're not doing this just to get through to March, early April. True. They're doing this for playoff considerations and the consideration being when the chips are down Yolkivi Ranta is just not going to be the next man up solution in a seven game series yep. it's going to be a player with experience with leadership with expertise it's why that fourth line in the playoffs the 2022 year was as dangerous as it was you know Darren Helm yeah, had important fair. moments in the trajectory of that cup run and I look at Logan O'Connor as a player that has really elevated his game, but I think that he impacts that cup run for the Avs in the 2022 season in a way that's obviously different from the McKinnons and the Kale McCars, but he impacts it in a way that you would notice if he wasn't there. And so those players are valuable to the Avs. They know it's a part of their success. It's why the show is called Bednar's Blueprint is I think he has a penchant for the veteran sauce too. Yep. It's not the only thing that a roster can be made up of, but it's a really necessary ingredient for success. Is the real reason the Avs did this so that they could win a cup for a guy getting paid $7 million by the Minnesota Wild? Is that actually the reason? It's really good business though, right? <laughs> like, I'm trying to... It obviously worked out that an offer didn't work its way out in the offseason for Parise. And yep. it's interesting, too, then, that he didn't settle for what I'm assuming he would consider less than he deserves. I'm either. sure he had offers. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure he had offers. This is a little different from Phil Kessel territory. Yeah. And so to that end, I don't know how it played out. The Avs seemed to get kind of lucky similar. Look. Tomash Tatar was good business. It yep. didn't work out in Colorado, but that was really great business. And I think something kind of similar happened. Like somebody else's misfortune was the Avs blessing. And that's how I view Parise. Like they just got kind of lucky. I don't know if it's even coming from a petty place because I don't know that Minnesota occupies that much space in Colorado's head. <laughs> I they don't think they do. It's Especially not, not presently. Anymore. Yeah. Maybe in the mid 2010s, but now... I don't think about you at all is the, is if the it, vibe. If you'd asked me about Dallas, like when they went for Tufty and Olofsson <laughs> and Kimiranta, is like, you know what? Going on they here. might occupy space <laughs> in Colorado's head. Yep, definitely. Definitely with that vibe. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on with Parise? Uh, the whole Avs lineup, to be honest with you. 
I felt like there was one more thing. Oh, I wanted to ask if you felt Nathan McKinnon was snubbed in this week's NHL Stars. Uh, sure. I I just don't care about weekly NHL Stars. Look at his full body of work and he should win the Hart Trophy. You know what was suspect for me? Was the date cut off for the three games that they're capturing the points totals for these players? Yeah. Conveniently happened after I wa- it was like Nathan McKinnon's three goal span of 11 points starts yeah. on the 20th and they started the cutoff here in the 22nd. Yeah. Um, and so it wouldn't have included that. He only played two games past that point. And I don't know. It just feels really suspect in my <laughs> eyes. But I hope Nikita Kucherov is happy. <laughs> He can be happy with second place in the heart. He can have as many weekly First stars week as he wants if he doesn't win the heart. I do not care. Uh, it's, I mean, look, we, we've talked about it a lot already, but I, I would like to continue to drive the point home that Nathan McKinnon, regardless of whether he wins the heart or not, is playing the best hockey of his career right now. It's outrageous how good he is right now. I think the part that stands out to me too is not only power play contributions but the five on five production as well as the overall improvement of his two-way game i don't actually have analytics in front of me so you could come back and say you know what it's actually been maybe one of his lesser years but i specifically look at the impact he had in the playoffs in that 2022 cup run and that was an area of his game that i felt he grew more responsible and i think has translated to some degree this season and also just some of the, the level of physicality, mm-hmm. like when what KS talked about him playing angry. Violent hockey. <laughs> like that's a side of McKinnon beyond the production that's intriguing. I don't really even know how to qualify it. It's intriguing. It's kind of unique to him. And it makes everything that he does just a little extra special. Yep. It. There have now been, you know, multiple instances over the last month or so, the O face he made. Of, <laughs> I forget who it was he hit at the blue line there. Uh, but the other night he ends up taking an interference penalty because he rocks a guy on a reverse check. It's it's part of his game that we always knew that he had, but right. you're, you're seeing it with a level of consistency that I don't think you've seen previously. And I, I do think part of that is he's realized that he's Nathan McKinnon and he can actually just run people over. <laughs> There's a part of me that felt like at some point when the game slowed down to him, and the mental clarity was at an all-time high. He found himself getting bored in the middle of hockey games and said, how can I make this more fun for me? <laughs> and I think this is the result. <laughs> well, I've got multiple five-points games this yeah. season, so the points getting is easy. Yeah, how can I make this more fun for me? <laughs> love it. I love it for Mac. Uh, we do have to get into our other topic a little bit here, though, and that isn't necessarily the abs. But it is the hottest team in hockey right now in the Edmonton Oilers. I don't want to take anything away from the high-end talent of the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid is a generational talent. Truly, he deserves all the awards he's won. He deserves all the praise he gets. Leon Dreisaitl, also a truly elite player. No team wins 16 in a row off of purely deserved wins, right? (laughs) No, well, and I think what's so Jekyll Hyde hot and cold is how they started the year and where they're at now. For sure. That's what makes it hard to trust. And like you, I want to give them their flowers, though. There was concern because of how poorly they started the season through, like, the first 12 to 13 game stretch, 
how a team with so much talent could sink so low. And of course, there were a few things going wrong there. Their penalty kill was atrocious. They weren't getting the goaltending that they needed. And so now it feels like some of that has leveled out yep. in a way you expect it. Because again, there is a lot of talent there. And I don't want to take away from the whole top six talent. Truly, I True. think is impressive. And that being said, goaltending is so fickle. I don't know what to believe. Stuart Skinner has obviously turned things around since Thanksgiving yep. through this point. And actually from that point, has the best save percentage of any goaltender in the NHL. You look at that and you, if this was like Darcy Kemper, <laughs> we're like, well, that can have positive results even in the playoffs when things aren't going so well and start to stabilize a little bit. But goaltending's not something I want to look at with that much question mark around it, that much disparity. It, when it comes to Skinner, I, I think my problem is I look at someone like Nathan McKinnon and he might be playing his best hockey of the season right now, but he's been so consistently so good that you have that expectation for it to continue throughout the entire season and into the playoffs. You look at Stuart Skinner and you're saying, okay, he started the season with a horrible, horrible stretch. And now he's played what is likely going to be his best stretch of the season and instead of saying, okay, I think he'll continue this into playoffs, I'm wondering, is he playing his best stretch too early? <laughs> is he going to dip back to what, you know, I don't think he'll dip as low as he did at the start of the year, but will he regress some? And if you regress at the start of the playoffs, yeah. how do you end up out of the playoffs? Right, you don't have an abundance of time yep. to, to figure things out. And to his credit... His good stretch has been double his bad stretch just about. Sure. So his body of work, it's like, well, he's actually been playing better more often this season than he's played badly. But this isn't a new problem for Edmonton. And that's what that makes it true. hard to trust, especially in the playoffs. And then it becomes a greater problem than just goaltending, too. Even mm -hmm. if Stuart Skinner continues to play well, like maybe not to this level of well, but still good through the playoffs there's still concerns about do they have the type of mentality to advance further in the playoffs? Because yep. we thought they had that kind of a piece in Ryan O'Reilly last year, but things kind of, sorry, that was Toronto. That was, was my Toronto. bad. Um, they would kill for Ryan O'Reilly. No, though. they would kill for that type of player. I'm trying to think um, of oh, defensively is where they thought they had the answer in at home. Yep. Um, and, and it wasn't. And I think that's where there's holes in the lineup that I'm still not just, I'm just not quite sure about it's, for Edmonton and, and the personnel and the culture that they have there. We, you know, we were critical of it a little bit earlier with Perry and Kane, but mm -hmm. I think that becomes a bigger issue in the playoffs. I, I think it, the whole conversation of their lineup construction is, is fascinating, really, because you look at the Avalanche this year who have continued to be a very good team, even with weak stretches from Alexander Georgiev because they have an elite defense in front of him. So even with Georgiev struggles, the lowest it got for Georgiev was a 895, I think, on the year when it was at the absolute bottom, because the Avs can help out in front of that guy. And if Stuart Skinner has a bad night, the Oilers just don't have enough help in front of him defensively, full stop, whether it be forwards or defensemen. They just don't have that same level of coverage. So... 
I guess I just don't trust the Oilers to be able to mask their issues when they do pop up. Yes, in the regular season, and the Avs are doing this as much as anyone, you can absolutely outscore some of your problems. But when the chips are down in the playoffs, sometimes you have to be able to not give up goals to win hockey games. I just don't trust Edmonton to be able to do that. Well, and I wonder how much factoring in coaching changes. There's a part of that conversation that is unpredictable. Obviously, there's been immediate success that's been sustained now over like 21 games in some of the changes that have been made. And then defensively, they get Paul Coffey. Uh, That would make sense. And then Mark Stewart on the PK. um, And I think that it has brought them a lot of success. And perhaps even, you know, Darnell Nurse, I think, has been able to help more. And his play on the penalty kill has leveled out um, because of this change. I don't know what that looks like over a longer period of time. But I think that it's an aspect of this that is worth considering, too. What's the what's the cutoff? When is it no longer the new coach bump, and when is it they're actually just good now? Feels like it's got to be over one full season, okay, Fair and enough. playoff run. Like you know, even with Bednar, I don't feel like he felt he ever really had job security until after. He returned after the Vegas season. Like, I I think that that (laughs) like the the Vegas exit season. Um, I so knowing that I I think it's even longer than a season. Okay, fair enough to measure because we look at the first season Wah had and it was fun. It was exciting. He had an excellent goaltender in Varley and then second year was more realistic. So I even think maybe two years. I think that's. A fair argument, but I don't think it's what the people want to hear. They want to make snap decisions right away about people. No. <laughs> but I mean, if if it's enough, though, to give them a boost for a deep playoff run, yeah. that's the kind of thing that a team can rally around. Oh, for sure. It, it would be foolish to ever count out a team with the only player that doesn't play for the Avalanche that I would consider the best player in the world. It, that dude could just do stuff that he just wins games by himself. And if you have that, you're never truly out of it. Do I think they're built to win a cup? No. (laughs) What's missing? And what, not only what's missing, like, is there anything that needs to not be there? Um, I mean, defense is, is missing. Not to take away from Darnell Nurse. I'm not saying Darnell Nurse is a bad player. He's a great player. Just not good enough to lead the top pairing. Exactly. He's, if he's your number one, you better have a real good number two. And they don't have the defensive depth to play effective hockey, especially because you look at someone like a Leon Dreisaitl, absolutely an elite forward talent, doesn't play any defense. Their forward core cannot pitch in enough defensively to help them with a weaker decor all the way around. And I'm not saying they should get rid of Dreisaitl. That would be crazy. But they need pieces, or even as you have talked about with the the existence of of Canes and Corey Perrys of the world, I'm not going to pretend to know what their culture in the locker room is like, but they need a culture of, as a team, 
respecting the defensive side of the ice and playing a full 200-foot game. And frankly, they just haven't had that for a very long time. I'm sure Ekholm tried to help that situation, but one guy does not a system make. So, you know, maybe a new coach two years down the line installs systems that help them with this, that, or the other thing. But a guy who joins the team in the middle of the season is not going to significantly change that culture front. So I, I really don't know that Edmonton is a team that you can just solve. I don't think you're one move away from, from doing a thing. I think you need a, a galvanizing moment similar to what the abs had years and years ago when they traded Duchesne and everyone wanted to be here and everyone had the buy-in to do the right things. And then it took five more years for them to get to where they needed to be. I think it's interesting to look at a team's needs through the lens of subtraction because we talk so much about additions to the team around the deadline, but it also is important to know what subtractions are necessary. We already see Tomash Tatar being one of the subtractions, but is there a significant subtraction you can pinpoint for Colorado that would make the team better? I mean, it's it's got to be Rijo, right? It, it, it mechanically, like, forget his play, forget who he is, forget his fit, forget all of that. Simply look at the money. If you're targeting a 2C, Rijo's money is the money that has to come out. If you're looking for an equal amount of money, you're talking about a Josh Manson, a Sam Gerrard, or a Bowen Byram. In my opinion, all of which have contributed more to the Avs' success this season than Ryan Johansson. So it just kind of falls that way for the Avs' side of it. We were talking about the Avs, right? We were. No, I'm trying to think. Because for Edmonton, I genuinely don't know. No, I don't know. Like, even last year, is there a subtraction? Going back to the deadline, like, if you could have done it differently. Hmm. Last year... That's too hard. It's a too hard of a hypothetical to entertain. Yeah, it's... Uh, so last year was so awkward, right? Because you didn't have a Ryan Johansson that has an extra year on his deal. Right. That you could have potentially thrown around as as a piece like that that frees up cap space, not just in the immediate, but going forward, too. And... You weren't going to move someone like Erod. It just didn't make sense. The Avs had a number of good value contracts that they didn't want to get rid of. So they would have been forced into moving someone like a, a Gerard or Byram. And I'm not even saying necessarily that moving a Gerard or Byram is wrong. I'm just saying when you are going for it, when you're committed to putting a team together, you don't move pieces that are helping your roster. And certainly Sam Gerrard has very much proven to be a significant help to this roster this season. Byram, I think less so, but you work your way bottom up there. And and right now it's Rijo at the bottom. Do you think any, like looking at Jean-Luc Foudy, who got nine NHL games, because he's missed so much time now, is that someone that would have been more of an asset to the Avs last year than he is this year? Unfortunately for him, yeah, I think so. Um, It's been a a tough fit. I think really this dates all the way back to 
preseason and training camp where you saw Freddie Olofsson earn that 4C job. Yeah. And I understand they're different players, and, and Foodie doesn't necessarily play in a way that the Avs fourth line likes to play. But with Foodie, he never really got the opportunity to show that he could earn an NHL job, whether it be at the end of last season or you know going into training camp this year. So he's left in this weird spot now. Where, to be fair, the Avs have a number of guys, it feels like, that are stuck in this spot in their AHL lineup where, unfortunately, the Avs are a very good team. Unfortunately, Bednar likes to find specific things that happen in his bottom six. He likes to find guys that he can trust. And a guy like a foodie doesn't have that. A guy like a Ben Myers doesn't really have that. It's... And part of the reason why I've come around more to potentially trading off some of these assets is because I just struggle to see a fit for them in the abs lineup. Even if I believe Ben Myers, I 100% believe is an NHL caliber player. Yeah. I just don't know if he fits in Colorado. When I worry his value, I don't think it's like tanked, but I feel it was probably higher last year because he got in more NHL games consistently. Yep. So it was easier for other teams to imagine him in an NHL role. Whereas this year he's gotten in so much fewer games that Thankfully, he seems to be doing well at the American League level, but sure. I do worry that that has impacted his value in a way, maybe more negatively, that makes him a less desirable piece yep. to get a trade across the finish line just compared to last year. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair concern, to be honest. Um, my hope with Ben is, you know, it was a college free agent. There were significant right. team interests there, so there hopefully still will be team interests in there. But you certainly look at a guy like Foodie, who was a third round pick has some shortcomings that certain teams will just be out on him based on size alone. Not saying they're right. Just saying that's the reality of the league. Uh, And now has a significant injury problem that he's just returning from mid season. You're starting to get enough red flags there where teams might be like, yeah, we'd rather have somebody else. And it could make it hard for the abs asset-wise to make some of the moves they want to do. They may have to end up giving up more than they want to in certain areas. Uh, it's going to be an interesting trade deadline. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. But before we get on to a little bit more of that, we are brought to you by the folks over at Red Hawk Roofing. Make sure your roof is all nice and tidy, not like the Edmonton Oilers defense. The opposite of that. Get, uh, get them out there. Go to redhawkroofing.com. They'll come out. They'll inspect your roof totally for free. They'll take pictures. They'll show you all the holes in your roof if you have any. Hopefully you don't. But if you do, they'll have you covered. They can get it all fixed. They're great. They're the best roofers in Denver, to be honest with you. You can go get them. If you have an emergency, they're available 24-7. They use the best materials, so you can come out, get your stuff going anytime. We are in the middle of winter here. Uh, my wife says there's going to potentially be a lot of snow this weekend. I so Saturday, maybe. Yeah. she. I, I, we live way out east, so we could get like six inches or something crazy. But get your roof fixed. Don't let snow be entering your home. That's that's bad. That's like Edmonton goaltending at the start of the year. Not right now. Uh, get up Red Hawk Roofing today. RedHawkRoofing.com. At very least, get that free inspection. Make sure everything's good up there. And then... Get yourself over to game time so you can go get tickets to your favorite, not just sporting events, but 
everything. You can go to concerts. You can go to the, the symphony. You can go to the theater. You name it. Game Time has it all covered. And when you sign up with code DNVR today, you get $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. You get the best prices for tickets anywhere when it comes to Game Time. They've got it all. You can do last-minute deals. You can do the section selector, which saves you a ton of money. Uh, you can even, if you find tickets somewhere else for cheaper... Let Game Time know they'll reimburse you 110% of the ticket price. So they've got you covered. No matter what, they'll get you the best tickets for the best price. Go check them out. Join 15 million people that use Game Time today. There's a link down in the description. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Megan, uh, what does your side of this conversation look like with the Avs? Is it is it as clearly Rijo that seems to be the odd man out? It's tough because I asked you just what would the subtraction be without considering or including in the question who can the Avs actually move out though also that fair. would have enough interest. Yep. And that's what makes him the tough part of the conversation is I yep. think that's the obvious misfit. But how much interest really? But how yeah. much interest is there really? And so I think that my answer isn't different from yours. It's just hard to imagine what, if any, kind of a return they can get. I'm sure there's something. There's Because he's still an NHL player. And I know that in the round table, AJ and I both are trying to throw him to Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I could see that being a veteran player, great guy in the room that would excel there. But I don't know how realistic that actually is. Let me ask you this. You have an extra pick lying around from the Tatar deal. Would you throw that to a team to take on Rijo? Yeah. Okay. What was it? It was fifth. I think it was a fifth yeah. round for this upcoming summer or I, the one after. I think it was 2024, but it might have been 2025. Okay. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Not that I know much about the 2025 draft. 16 year old kids. <laughs> right. No, I, I think that's a pretty easy decision for me to make. Um, okay. I think people are a little trigger shy because of Lars Eller. Sure. And there maybe is this perception that we shouldn't just be throwing out picks willy-nilly. But it does feel like it's a necessary part of not only the lineup that needs to be opened. Um, because and looking at even Parise's fit, that is a player that's still in the conversation there in the third line area yeah, for sure. that needs to be sorted. And it also gives them some cap relief that will allow them more flexibility to make a bigger swing for a viable 2C. Yep. And so it still feels like a necessary means to an end um, that if they have to drum up the curbside appeal with a that fifth round pick I'm, I'm, pers I'm personally it, yeah. in favor of it and I feel terrible saying it because I think he's still an NHL player it just doesn't fit the Avs pace specifically and a really great guy <laughs> slash teammate yeah it's certainly nothing personal no it's just the business of hockey and and I've said this before, but would not surprise me at all if wherever he ends up going if he does go the same thing that happened with Tatar happens with Raijo where he fits the system a little bit better and produces just fine. Well, yeah, because when he had the bumper spot on PP1, he was getting power play points. Like, if there's a role that exists for him in, like, a Chicago where he can have a little bit more opportunity, I think he will seize it. It mm -hmm. just didn't make sense. He could not 
justifiably have that opportunity here in Colorado with other players playing above him. Yep. Ross Colton has just outplayed him. That's the reality. Jared Bednar has not minced words about that either. And I almost love how defensive Jared Bednar is of Ross Colton. Because <laughs> I remember asking him about the matchups against LA, how down the middle, that's the strength of the Kings. And, you know, essentially is Ross Colton ready for it? And he had such a good and almost defensive answer for it. Like all of these second line matchups, Ross Colton's been getting are, are tough and he's handling them. Yep. And he was right. You know, Ross Colton hand, handled himself in the Deneau matchup very well. That yeah, line continues big, to work very well together. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's... <clears throat> It's an interesting spot, right? Because we're sitting here saying, look, Rijo's the obvious odd man out for Colorado's lineup. It's just the reality. Every other team in the NHL also knows that. So there could be teams that just say, hey, we have no interest in helping the Colorado Avalanche come this trade deadline. We don't want that team to be, get better. It could be a situation where the Avs do struggle to have, move on from those guys. Now, I will say on the other side of that, We've seen every year for the last three years, Vegas have no problem moving on from guys they want to move on from, except for when they forget to read the contract <laughs> and remember that a guy has an NMC. Stop. But <laughs> as far as I know, Rijo doesn't have an NMC. So realistically, it should be something the Avs are able to do. It's, it's going to be an interesting deadline for Colorado, no matter how it ends up shaking out. Because if they do nothing, that would be disappointing. Yeah. They're going to have to give up assets, real assets, to do something significant. Something that will probably make somebody unhappy. Yeah. If they give up Guliev, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not saying it won't be worth it, but I would be disappointed with that. But at a certain point, that's the reality of being a team in your window and going for it, right? You know... That was the one thing I liked about the athletics possible, you know, what trade assets could the Avs give up is Guliev was viewed as a less desirable prospect because of his attachment to the KHL, at least for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if that is what deters teams from taking interest in him as a prospect and considering others, and I know this is like directly pointing them to Sean Barron's. I'm not comfortable <laughs> with that either. You're facing harsh realities I know. right now. I'm not, I, I realize that. <laughs> But I, I think Guliev could be safe. I'm putting an asterisk by it, but I too would also be sad because I've just, I've never felt so good about the pipeline for their yep. D. And, but you're right. I think that one, they're probably not done. This just feels like, a, Parise feels like a much it's, delayed it's reaction to piece. Tatar. Yeah, like sure. they were needing to add something back once Tatar was gone. Yep. So they filled that need, but there are still existing holes that, they're not kidding themselves about. And it's probably going to take more than just picks and prospects. I think you're looking at a roster player, and I don't think it's limited to just Ryan Johansson. And that makes it challenging. Fair. That yeah. makes it challenging. It does. It, the abs front office has their work cut out for them. Uh, I'll put it that way. They're a team that's trying to go for it, and they need to make their team better. In a perfect world, you just go make moves. It's NHL 24, and you add a million picks, and you get the guys you want. In reality, it's real hard to get GMs to say yes to things. <laughs> Hopefully, 
the abs can make some good decisions there. That's all I had for the day. Anything else you wanted to add to no. today's show? All right. I think we're good on Super Chats. I think we are uh, all set with today's show. Before we get out of here, though, tomorrow we will be back again. Uh, obviously, we're here all week. Be me and Megan tomorrow. We, we've got uh, our own all-star break schedule going a little bit here. Uh, Eric will be back on Wednesday, so you can uh, see his face then. And then, uh, yeah, he'll be back for the rest of the week, and I'll be out for a little bit. So, you know, you can always tune in. We'll always be here covering whatever it is that might be. Tomorrow we'll be talking uh, some all-star snubs, potentially. So if uh, if you're here for the drama, come in and uh, watch along for tomorrow's show. Of course, you can always catch us on Spotify as well. If you're more of a podcast listener, we're available there, too. If not, like and subscribe here on YouTube, and we will catch you guys for the next one. We all city like the mayor. 